Hi, welcome to today's episode of Q&A with a parent. The topic of discussion will be childhood vaccinations and the CDC's recommended schedule for them. This is quite a hot topic today as we are just coming out of a global pandemic, and there are many discussions surrounding healthcare and vaccines. Hopefully, hearing answers to questions asked by a fellow parent will leave you feeling confident to make the right choice for your child. We have here with us Marissa Smith, who is a mom of a two-year-old boy and expecting another little one in November. Marissa, like many other parents, has had a lot of confusion and questions surrounding vaccines. So why don't we just dive right into it? Marissa, what is your first question for us regarding the topic of childhood vaccinations? What exactly is a vaccine? I don't fully understand what they do or how they work. Well, simply put, vaccines give a person immunity without having to actually be infected with the disease itself. So they work by helping the body to create antibodies, which will fight off that disease. So then when a virus enters your body, it's recognized as foreign, and if you have antibodies for that virus, your body can use them to attack it. There are different types of vaccines, viral and bacterial. And for viral, there's different mechanisms like having an active virus, inactive virus, part of the virus, or for bacterial, things such as surface sugars, inactivated toxin, and purified proteins. These are all very scientific terms, but the point is, each type works a little bit different, but they all have the same end goal to protect you from disease. And the schedule that the CDC set out aims to protect your children as early as possible. Okay, I think I understand more now. There are different types of vaccines for different situations. My next question then is, why do we still need vaccines today if it seems a lot of the diseases therefore aren't really around? Well, it may seem like diseases like measles, mumps, rubella, and meningococcus aren't a big deal because they aren't really around. But just because they aren't common in the U.S. anymore doesn't mean they aren't a big deal. Also, the reason that these diseases are no longer common here is largely due to vaccines. These diseases can be deadly, and unfortunately, outbreaks of them are rising as vaccination rates fall. Polio has been eradicated, and smallpox has been eliminated, but these are two other very serious diseases that we don't see the devastation of anymore. With vaccines and following the schedule, it's even possible that we could achieve elimination and eradication of more diseases. To show you how devastating these can be, There are estimates that say that in one year, in the United States, there would be 4 million children infected with measles and 500 children dead, 20,000 babies born with birth defects from rubella, 7,000 children dead from pertussis, and 15,000 children paralyzed from polio with another 1,000 killed. Thankfully, these are numbers we don't have to face every year, but it is what we begin to risk when we stray from the recommended CDC schedule. And if vaccination rates continue to fall, incidents of these vaccine-preventable diseases will continue to rise. Oh, wow. I didn't realize how potentially deadly those diseases were, and that the reason we don't see a lot of them is because of vaccines. So, who is making these vaccines, and how do I know they're safe for my kids? Well, that's a great question. And pharmaceutical companies are the ones who manufacture vaccines. Companies you may have heard of such as Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Sanofi, Merck & Co., etc. The process that these companies go through in order to make vaccines is very long and tedious. 
From the time a company begins working on a vaccine to the time your child receives it in their doctor's office could be years and cost millions of dollars. There has to be testing done in labs, clinical trials conducted on different demographic groups, numbers and doses checked and confirmed, tests run for possible contamination, shelf life tested and perfected, tested and used with other vaccinations, and more. The work done is extremely extensive and is all a part of ensuring the vaccines are this, as safe and as effective as they can possibly be for your child. It sounds like a lot goes into making these vaccines safe for everyone. That makes me feel better. Even if they are safe, though, isn't natural infection better? Well, this can be a common misconception. The number of antibodies produced from natural infection is typically much higher, arming the body to fight better against the disease. However, natural infection can have severe consequences. Many of the diseases children are vaccinated against have severe symptoms and can result in death, as we talked about earlier. So really, the risk of natural infection is just not worth it. My child's pediatrician has told me about the recommended CDC vaccination schedule you mentioned. Is this schedule always good for every child? Is it okay to use an alternative schedule? Well, the schedule tells you what vaccinations your child should be receiving and when. This doesn't mean it isn't catered to your child specifically just because it's this recommended schedule for everyone. It is catered specifically for children. A lot of people have questions about doses for children versus adults, but even though it's a recommended schedule for what and when, the specific amount will be ter- be determined by your doctor based on weight and age to ensure that they receive the appropriate amount. So, for example, the flu vaccine that children receive is a smaller amount than adults because of weight and age difference. It's also too important to consider the way that vaccines enter the body. When you think about a child receiving drugs, you might worry about it being too much for their body or the dosage that they're receiving, but vaccines don't travel into the bloodstream like drugs do. Rather, they go to lymph nodes where the body's immune system then detects information and starts to make those antibodies that we talked about earlier. And when you come to considering an alternative schedule, the desire for this is often due to fear of overwhelming overwhelming the child or even weakening their immune system. But research shows that's not the case. There can be a lot of harm in spacing vaccines out further than what the CDC schedule suggests. The longer you wait for your child to receive the vaccines, the longer they're vulnerable to those diseases. And furthermore, evidence shows that there is about the same level of stress in a child who receives one vaccine compared to a child who receives two in the same visit. So it doesn't make sense to space them out based on fear of overwhelming your child when research has shown that levels of stress aren't very different for receiving one vaccine in the same visit versus two. And finally, there's no data that supports added safety or effectiveness of an alternative schedule. Wow, that was a lot of really good information. I understand the purpose behind vaccines now and can see how important it is to keep my kids up to date on their vaccines. I feel really equipped with this knowledge to advocate for my child and have the conversations I need to with their pediatrician. Well, Melissa, I'm certainly glad that the information you received today was helpful to you. 
The goal is for parents to feel equipped with the information they need to make the best decisions for their child and to know that if they are uncertain, their child's doctor is there to answer questions. Before we go, let's recap what we have discussed today and what I hope you'll take away. Vaccines are created by pharmaceutical companies with the goal of protecting from disease without having to face the consequences of natural infection. To guide us in this protection, the CDC provides us with their recommended vaccination schedule, and it's actually for birth through 18 years of age. There's two separate schedules, though, specifically one from birth to 15 months, and then there's one from 18 months through the remainder of those 18 years. There's some consequences uh, from straying, of straying from the schedule that we've talked about today such as infection and potential death with a vaccine-preventable disease, increase in incidence of vaccine-preventable illnesses across the U.S., and outbreaks of diseases, especially in under-immunized communities. There's also benefits of following this schedule, which include protection from vaccine-preventable diseases, thus increased life expectancy, eradication and elimination of vaccine-preventable diseases as more people get vaccinated, and fewer outbreaks of diseases, which protects those who may not have access to vaccines. At the end of today, I want you guys to be confident in knowing that your child's pediatrician is who you should go to if you have remaining questions, and that with this knowledge, you are capable of advocating for your child.